I'm going to give Brother Tharp a brief introduction. A brief introduction means about two minutes. It should be about 20. And uh, we go way back. We go back to our 20s together, of course. And we started about the same time. Uh, he up in Holyoke, Massachusetts, and of course founded, and many of you have been to the church there, the Mountain View Baptist Church again of Holyoke. Lord used him greatly up there. And uh, he produced some great assistant pastors to have become great pastors most notably, of course, Rich Shavatsky, of course. Uh, I always said I'm a great thief. I know, to, uh, know a good pick when I see one. And I, I stole Brother uh, Rich, of course. And, of course, most of all of us know that, uh, you veterans know that their oldest son is named Eric, of course, named in honor of Brother and Sister Tharp's uh, son that graduated heaven a number of years ago. And, of course, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, all of us, none of us can forget that day and uh, that, that event. But the Lord's used them and uh, they have two daughters, and of course, uh, we were catching up on the grandkids. This is all before the service. We've been talking nonstop with each other. And uh, uh, they have us. Uh, how many grandkids do you have up to? Eight. eight. They're up to eight. And uh, they were, like I said, I won't go into the long detail story, but they left here about. Uh, how many years ago did you leave here? 2005. So 13 years ago. And, and then at that time, they pastored a church in. Yuma, in fact, the Arnett's have been to your church, and uh, we're just asking the question about that, and uh, we're talking about that, and uh, Brother Getch, I don't know if he was the pastor at that time, and uh, then, of course, from there, they went up to Northern California, of course. Brother Tharp uh, has just been a dear friend, of course, Mrs. Tharp as well. They even have a daughter named Jessica, of course, so that's, uh, we have a lot of similarities. He pulled on the driveway, he says, you have my car. <laughs> he drives the same type of Cadillac that I drive, of course, one of those $80,000 Cadillacs. I try to pretend like it's 80000 but more like about $6,000, but uh, anyhow. But Brother Tharp, so good to have you come tonight. You preach for us. Thank you, Brother. God for Brother Shot and his dear wife and the girls and all these grandkids. Man, you people are broke. You get all these grandkids, you're broke. How many have grandkids? Raise your hands. How many's broke because of them? Oh, kids cost a fortune. I can't say no to them. I'd be the worst dad in the world with my grandkids. I'd never spank them. I'd give them everything they want. And uh, that's just the way it is. It's so good to be here. My wife, Joanne, is right over here. Uh, we've been 33 years married, going to be 34 in July. And uh, we're just so happy to be back here in beautiful New England. I'm glad the snow's gone. We've been in California so long, uh, we got soft. And uh, we like the, uh, uh, the no snow weather. And, uh, but uh, we're thankful uh, to be here looking forward to the Lord's Day. Uh, we stood yesterday, actually today, uh, and, and of course a few days ago as well. We've been here for a week. Uh, we uh, did the mission conference up at Mountain View uh, with Brother Chad Correa and uh, had the privilege of going visit our son's grave uh, again and again. Uh, he lived 18 years, five months, and nine days. That's how long he lived. And uh, we were there today. And uh, uh, we were standing looking at that grave. And uh, the Bible says that Jesus is going to return. And the dead in Christ are going to raise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. I like that. With them. That's a great prepositional phrase. With them. 
Think about it. With your mama, with your daddy, with your loved ones. And they'll be in perfect bodies. I think about my dear mother. Uh, she died when she was 44 of brain cancer. I never saw her grow old. I saw her grow infirmed because of the cancer. But I'm going to see her again with her beautiful auburn hair. Uh, because he said, because I live, you shall live also. And what a tremendous comfort we have. Amen, church? What a joy. What a joy. Uh, I come to you. I've got some music CDs. I'm going to sing here in a second. Um, I told pastor, I said, I'll tap dance if you want. <laughs> no, I won't. Uh, but uh, my brothers and I, we've been singing for the last, I guess, 12 or 13 years. And well, we've been singing a whole lot longer than that. Uh, we grew up in a home where we didn't have a television for most of our, our uh, rearing. And um, uh, but dad had, uh, you know, what used to be called a record player. How many's ever heard of such a thing? <laughs> Years ago, there used to be records. And uh, he'd put on the Cathedral Quartet and the Lefevre Quartet and the Old Kingsman Quartet and the Inspirations and the Blackwood Brothers and a whole bunch of that old gospel music. Well, that's what we have out there. We've got some CDs. Here's just a couple of the songs. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. How many know that song? And that if you're on the battle for the Lord and right, keep on the firing. How many know that one? All right, just checking. Uh, how, about, uh, how about, I'm free from the fears of tomorrow. I'm free from the, the chains of the past. How about that song? Anybody know? Ooh, you know this song? Uh, and then my wife's favorite song. She said it's the song with the least doctrine in it. Well, I'm feeling mighty fine. I got heaven. There's no doctrine in it at all, but it's a good song. And... Uh, You'll see these songs. Then we've got some others. Uh, this is a quartet CD. And then I have several preaching CDs back there on Revival, uh, Christian Living, uh, The Gates of Nehemiah. If that'll be a blessing too, you can see my wife in the lobby and uh, she'll be a blessing. Uh, she'll help you with that. Jesus will outshine them all. Oh, what glory awaits me in heaven's bright city when I get there such sights I'll behold a million scenes of rare beauty will demand that I view them still Jesus well he'll outshine them all mansions will glisten on the hills of glory, happy reunions on streets of gold. God's people singing glad praises forever, but Jesus, He'll outshine them all. Before I sing that next verse as she keeps playing, you think about your loved ones this time of year. These lilies, they're supposed to remind us of the resurrection. And this time of year, Christian, we have hope that the lost do not have. 
We're going to see our loved ones again on the other side. We're going to enjoy a perfect place, perfect bodies, perfect minds, and a perfect environment where we can worship our Savior throughout all eternity. Listen to this next verse, and we'll uh, finish this up and get to preaching. The sparkling river is flowing, happy faces all glowing, a land of splendor where night never falls. The golden glass gives reflection to that city's perfection. But Jesus, well, He'll outshine them all. Mansions will glisten on the hills of glory. Happy reunions on streets of pure gold. God's people singing glad praises forever. But Jesus Well, He'll outshine them all. Amen. Thank you so much. Appreciate that good song, sister. Thank you for playing. I'd like you to go in your Bibles, please, tonight. Uh, Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to preach here this evening, this special service. Go to Luke chapter number 24, Luke's Gospel, chapter number 24. And congratulations to the mother to have two. Uh, God bless her. That's wonderful. And that's, that's exciting. Luke chapter number 23, pardon me, 23, is where we'll read tonight. As you know, the entire four Gospels all record the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. And tonight, with the Lord's help, I want to speak to you about what I've titled, The Cry from Calvary. The Cry from from Calvary. You know, Jesus made seven utterances from the cross. And when we look at those sayings from Calvary, we learn the heart of our Savior. I want to begin the reading tonight in our scripture in verse number 13. And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. Behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man touching those things, whereof ye accuse him. No, nor yet Herod. For I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done in him, unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast." And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas, who for a certain sedition made in the city, and for murder was cast into prison. Pilate, therefore willing to release Jesus, spake again unto them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. He said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and the chief priests prevailed. 
And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, that's Barabbas, whom they had desired. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Let me stop there. I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. That is a heavy indictment on Pilate. He delivered Jesus to their will. Pilate, verse number 26. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one, Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him laid the, they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus turning unto them, that is, on his way to Golgotha, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? By the way, that is a messianic, pardon me, a prophetic reference by Christ about the time of Jacob's trouble, forthcoming in the tribulation. But verse number 32 there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Tonight I want to speak to you a message I've simply titled Calvary's Cry. If you're here tonight and you've been saved, may I say to you, that it ought to be our regular exercise to be familiar and touched with the passion of our Savior. It must not be just an Easter season reminder. It must not be just a, a time of the year. But as the pastor said earlier, the foundation or the fundamentals of what makes us a Christian is that our Savior was crucified and that He was buried and that He rose from the dead victorious forevermore. That is the genesis, if you will, the basis of our faith tonight. And we praise God for the risen Savior. It ought to be a regular exercise. Pastor said that uh, Sunday you sang that beloved hymn, Lest I Forget Gethsemane. Lest I Forget Thine Agony. Lead me to Calvary, O oh God. Help us keep our hearts tender about the cross. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the sweet spirit tonight. Pastor used the words, a high church service. By that, I know what he means. How can we talk about this, this event in history this most somber event, this most sobering event, this most shameful event in all history of when the Son of God was crucified by the hands of men, those men representing not only Rome and the Jewish nation, but every kindred and race of men there 
crucified the Savior by our own sins. We praise you tonight that you give us a glimpse into what took place on that cross. Once you were nailed there, you invite us into your mind with these seven sayings. And may you minister conviction to our hearts. And I say that, O oh God, that we might repent of our sins and be Christians worthy of claiming that title and that name. And then, God, I pray tonight for those uh, that might be here that's lost and undone. If they died tonight, they'd face a Christless eternity and burn forever in the lake of fire. Oh God, squeeze their heart and bring conviction to their soul that God, they might be saved tonight. Tonight we pray. Bless this time in the word of God. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Calvary's cry. Yonder on Calvary, after Christ was crucified and raised up between heaven and earth, He hung there in His Jewish body, crucified. And there on that cross, Jesus brings us into His mind. I was thinking uh, this week for sure, but especially today, that if your pastor were on a deathbed and breathing his last breaths and his darling wife was next to his side, I promise you, every word that would come out of his mouth, she would with a scribe's pen jot it down for her posterity. She'd say, children, I want you to hear the final words of your father and of your papa that you might remember what he said in his, the throes of his mortality. And here we have seven recorded sayings of Jesus. Let's consider them in order, shall we? If you'll notice, first of all, uh, we ended the reading in verse number 33. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 34. The scripture goes on, Then said Jesus, and let me tell you something, the words that came out of his mouth at that moment were just as much the words of God. When God spoke the world into existence, it's the same voice. It's the same voice uttering, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them. I want you to see it. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And ladies and gentlemen, these words, Father, forgive them, were directed to the, the soldiers at the foot of the cross that gambled for the garments of Christ. You think about this, the garments of Christ were taken by this one and taken by that one, but the inner garment, one without seam, was gambled for at the base of the cross. Someone one time asked me, why are you against gambling? Right there's a pretty good reason. They gambled for the inner garment of our Savior. You think about the absolute disrespect and disregard and the absolute tarnishing of the royalty on that cross. As they gambled for his garment as he hung on that cross, naked and clothed in a robe of purple, a wicked robe of purple in mockery against the Savior. And they gambled for his garment and Jesus with compassion. 
And the Savior, with a look of pity upon those Roman soldiers, He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, I say to you tonight, that precious Savior tonight looks upon you in your sinfulness and in your lost and wretched condition without Christ. And I'm glad to tell you something as long as Jesus is, this, is the Savior, which is forever and ever, He has mercy for anybody that would repent and come to Him for salvation. I'm glad He's willing to forgive. Can I hear an amen right there? Oh, I think about the sins of your life and the sins of my life. And if we lowered that screen and, and we had some kind of a representation of the wickedness and wretchedness of our own lives, no one in this room would have any respect for another person. If you only knew the darkness of a mind and a heart that even stands in a pulpit, but thank God for forgiveness of sins. Can I hear an amen? amen? Listen to me, church. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious fountain filled with love flows from Calvary's mountain to forgive us of all our sins. You see, His shed blood cleanses us from all sin. You see, when Jesus died, uh, His propitiation, that word means a covering to remove. And what that means, ladies and gentlemen, is that Jesus upon the cross effected the atonement. That means He purchased our redemption by the atonement of His own body and His own blood. And His sacrifice, the atonement of Himself, causes God to accept us through the blood and to be declared justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Would you think about that? I'm 53 years old. I've got a past and I've got a present and I, I don't know, but I might have a future. Boast not thyself of tomorrow for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And God looks upon me and ladies and gentlemen, don't you think that God is such that He becomes naive? mm, -mm. God does not look at us and wink at our sin. God does not look at us and say, well, he was abused or she was abused or they were disadvantaged. Oh no, oh no. We stand accountable for all our sins. But God looks at us when we come to Jesus Christ. He robes us in the righteousness of Christ. And we are made righteous through the blood of his Son. You say, how does that work? It's a wonderful idea. Watch the illustration. You and me, you and I have our sins here and we know what they are. We sure do. And by the way, maybe you don't have any sins right now that you're guilty of. You're living a good life perhaps. But what about your past? That stuff just doesn't go away. Are you hearing me? At the way you treated other people, the way you acted back before, uh, you're still accountable but God in His mercy. When that blood is applied, watch, this is the blood. Please watch. Here's our sins. Here's the blood. God now sees us through the blood. He doesn't see us in our sin anymore. He sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And God sees us justified. So what does God see? He sees us through His Son. 
Jesus Christ. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. From the book of life, they've all been torn out. I don't remember them anymore. Hey, as far as the east is from the west, in the deepest part of the sea, our sins have been forgiven. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I want to tell you the cry from Calvary, first of all, is a cry of forgiveness. I will thank him tonight for forgiving my sins. I was a nine-year-old boy, a pastor's son. I didn't know where I'd spend eternity. A preacher preached on hell. He said that if you die outside of Christ, your mama that's saved will go to heaven, your daddy that's saved will go to heaven, and I'll never forget it. He said, and if you're unsaved, you'll go to hell while your family goes to heaven. I'll tell you something, I got a hold of my heart like nothing ever did. I said in that church in Pontiac, Michigan, God got a hold of my heart. I tapped my daddy on the back. I said, Dad, I need to be saved. I'm glad I had the kind of dad that just said, well, let's go get saved. We left that auditorium. Carl Hatch was preaching. And, and boy, we went back to the bottom step of the print room at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Pontiac, Michigan. And I got down on my knees as a nine-year-old boy. And I said, Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Take me to heaven when I die. And I got up off my knees forgiven. And I'm going to go to heaven one day and I can't wait. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. You know what this world needs? They need forgiveness. Child molesters. Abusers of mankind. Homosexuals and lesbians. Sinners of all sorts need forgiveness. Islamics and Jews. And Lutherans and Catholics and agnostics and atheists. All need mercy. And God offers mercy through forgiveness. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I want to ask you a question. Look up here now, right here. Have you been forgiven? Do you know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life? Listen to me. Uh, uh, that song years ago, uh, please search the book again. I know my name was there. I went to church on Sunday, but I never knelt in prayer. Please search the book again. It's too late now, I know. Please search the book again before you make me go. Oh, listen to me. Make sure your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. He said, Father, forgive them. But there's another, and I hasten. I want you to see verses 39 through 43. The Bible says that, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And he goes on and all, oh, what an admission of guilt. He says, And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. 
but this man. And ladies and gentlemen, no more true word was spoken at Calvary Summit than what this thief said. But this man hath done nothing amiss. These malefactors, one on the right hand and one on the left, crucified along with Jesus. One said, Lord, if Jesus, if you can save yourself, come off that cross and save us too. But the other one, we hear this one asking, he says, Lord, look at verse 42, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Oh, what a plea. What a tender heart call and cry to Jesus. Lord, and he called him Lord. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. We have the second utterance of Christ. It's the cry of a promise. The cry of a promise. Look what he said. He said, verily or truly I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And I want to tell you something. When Jesus expiated his life, and his life was gone, not long after him, after Jesus died, they put a spear in his side and forthwith came water and blood. They pierced his heart. That water sack around the heart, they pierced his heart and he bled out. He was already dead. But they came to those two malefactors, criminals, uh, murderers, seditionists. And they broke their legs. And no longer could they breathe. They basically suffocated to death. And I want to tell you something. When that malefactor died, walking into paradise arm in arm, came Jesus with a thief that was saved at the cross. Can I hear an amen right there? Jesus promised it. Ladies and gentlemen, from the cross, he cries a promise. Thank God for the promise that if we call upon the Lord, we shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so this, this common criminal, this one who said of himself, we indeed justly, he was saved because of the promise of Jesus. Well, let's move along. If you could go to John's gospel now, over chapter number 19, and we'll read two verses there. I appreciate your careful attentiveness tonight. In John's gospel, chapter 19, we read verses 26 and 27. Two of the most tender and expression at verses in the life of Christ. Look what he said. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, that would be John in the second person narrative, it's John, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Oh, here in this third utterance from Calvary's cry, we have the cry of care. The cry of care. When Jesus looks down from the cross and attends to his mother's need. We're talking about precious 
Mary. Jesus, of course, virgin born. Mary was his mother. And it is very clear in our scriptures, in the gospels, that Mary had children after Jesus. And I want to tell you something. I asked the question tonight, where were Jesus' brothers at the cross? Nobody was there. Mary was there. You say, well, why was she there? Because you mothers understand, that was your boy on that cross. And that precious, godly, special woman looked up at her son and saw him bloodstained and robed in wounds. And Jesus, I'm sure in his human heart, thought, my mother can't take any more of this. And he said, John, you take care of my mother. And he said, woman, behold thy son. Oh, that does not make Mary a fourth member of the Holy Trinity. Oh, no. Oh, no. Mary was a Christian like you and like me. But Jesus was caring for his mother. You say, that's curious. Why would he do that? Fifth commandment. He's the one that said, honor thy father and thy mother. And from the cross, a cry of care. Woman, behold thy son. Behold thy mother. Oh, thank God that on the cross, Jesus still was putting others first. Listen to me and look up here and hear me. If you're going to be anything like Jesus, you'd better get good at putting others ahead of yourself. We need a revival in our churches of getting rid of selfishness and personal ambition. Say amen right there. We are so this way. It's all about me. It's all about me. Oh no. On the cross, Jesus said, woman, behold thy son and son, behold thy mother. Oh, a word of a cry of care. You know something? I think about John. He's the only one that stayed at the cross. And Pastor, isn't that interesting? John was there. To the point that I believe he was there divinely appointed to take care of Mary. But you know what? About 30 or 40 years later, old John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And there John got the revelation. But guess who showed up? on the Isle of Patmos when John was all by himself Jesus showed up to John when Jesus was alone John showed up and now when John's alone hallelujah Jesus showed up thank God you'll never go through a thing in this life where Jesus doesn't care for you oh yes he cares I know he cares his heart is touched with my grief thank God the cry of care then I want you to go to Matthew's gospel, please. We're seeing the seven cries from Calvary. And I want you to see Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 46. I'll read a little earlier than that, coming down to verse 46. In verse number 39, it says, And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. I can't hardly read that without 
jumping over to Isaiah 53, where the Bible says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Hear it, verse number three. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. These at the foot of the cross walked by wagging their heads. Psalm 22 tells us as they walked by in a prophetic word, the psalmist says, saying, Aha! Aha! That's what they said. As if to say, Ha! Wagging and reviling him. It says in verse 40, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others himself, he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. That's a lie. It's a lie. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Look at verse 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Folks, that's three hours from noon to three in the afternoon of darkness as if God was ashamed of his creation and he turned off all the lights because he couldn't bear to see the reproach of his own son. And look what Jesus says. In this next sense, Jesus cries from Calvary a fourth utterance. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The Bible says in verse 47, some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, this man calleth for Elias. And as is recorded here, Eli is short for Elias, but God is Eloi. And they misheard him. But his cry, his cry was clear. He said, God, why have you forsaken me? Folks, there was no answer. It was a cry of loneliness. His fourth cry, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Is a cry of loneliness. Jesus three times in the garden prayed, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Let this cup pass for me. Silence. He said it again. Silence. And he said it again. Silence. He was alone. Jesus hung on that cross completely alone. He was alone in the garden. He was alone on that cross. 
And he cries out, my God. The first time Jesus ever referred to his father as God. You see, because Jesus was becoming at that moment the sin bearer. And into him was poured all the anger and wrath of God against sin. And he became sin for us. A cry of loneliness. Then let me say next, if you could go to John chapter number 19. John chapter number 19. We must read here in verse number 28 some very tender and heart-wrenching words. In John chapter number 19, if you could see it there in verse number 28. After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. I thirst. What a human, a human cry. We see in this verse the next word or the next cry from Calvary. And that's the cry of suffering. Suffering. He said, I thirst. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus took upon himself all of our suffering. You hear me? He understands human desire. Jesus understands hunger. Someone said to me once, uh, could Jesus have been made ill or sickly? We do know this on the cross. His body suffered all the effects of a crucifixion. The rust of the nails and the shock to the system. He understands not only human desire, but I'm convinced he understands human disease. Oh, I'm not saying that he was corrupted uh, by the human nature of disease. But he understands thirst, and he understands hunger, and he understands privation. Hunger, thirst, it's a word of suffering. Thank God on that cross, he said, I thirst. Though he made the oceans, though he made the great lakes, the rivers of our great bodies of earth, our Savior said, I thirst, because of his cry of suffering. And then next, If you could go to John chapter number 19 and we hasten to number 6. I want you to see in verse number 30 of John chapter 19. We'll read verse 28 down, pardon me, 29 down. Uh, And in response to the thirst cry, they set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar... He said, notice what he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. I say, here we have another cry from Calvary. And it's the cry of triumph. It is finished. It is finished. Ladies and gentlemen, this same Jesus who was born in a manger, lived 33 and a half sinless years and walked among men and healed the sick and restored lame legs, walk and eyes that were blind to see all that he did. All of it was to point to a cross. That on that cross, he would do the work that only a perfect Savior could do. That is pay for all of our sins. And when he cried, it is finished. It was a cry of triumph. Would you think about it? When that blood poured from the body of Christ. Let me give you a Bible study. 
Here's a Bible study. See all the places in your scriptures where Jesus bled. All the different places. I think I've counted, I believe, four or five different places where Jesus bled. And I want to say to you where every drop of that blood dropped to the earth. At the foot of that cross where that blood poured out, when it hit the dust at the foot of the cross, it cried to the dust, it is finished. And that blood sucked into the dryness of the earth and went into the, the soil of the earth. That dust cried to the soil. It is finished. And then soon a blade of grass sprung up from that soil and from that blood that had eked into that earth. That spring of grass cried out, It is finished. And I say to you tonight, throughout the corridors of heaven, down the galleys of the mansions in glory, the angels and the saints of God tonight say, it is finished. Thank God tonight for the cry of triumph. Then I want to close with chapter 23 of Luke and verse number 46, where it says that when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, I don't know how this worked, but it had to be a cry of just a guttural moan. He cried with a loud voice and then he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. I want to tell you something. His final cry was a cry of trust. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. One of these days, your life will be over. You'll breathe your last breath. Your last day calendar will be done. And you'll have no more plan. I want to tell you something. To go from this body, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. Oh, the cry of trust. You see, that trust expressed on the cross is for you and me. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. Oh, I think about the hundreds of people that I've had the privilege of doing funerals for all these 32 years of pastoring. I never did one funeral for anybody that I think wanted to die. I heard him say it. I'll never forget one Sunday, Mrs. Boyette was coming through and the poor lady had been on dialysis four days a week. She came through on a Sunday morning and I said, Miss Boyette, I'm praying for you and she said, why do you keep praying for me? I said, well, because I love you and I'm asking God to give you strength. She said, no, I want to die. She said, stop praying for me. I went, okay. What do you say to that? I had her funeral. And I remember there in that casket, that dear elderly saint, I could say to that crowd, absolutely, and with great conviction, that Emily Boyette is no longer in that body. Sure, her spirit and soul have left that corpse. And now she's with the Lord. She's walking streets of gold, hand in hand with her husband, loving those that had gone on before, and most of all, looking at her Savior, Jesus Christ. How beautiful heaven will be. Sweet home, of the happy and free, a haven of rest for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. 
All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but He washed it white as snow. Here's what I say. That ought to make us re-up and say, Jesus, whatever you want out of my life, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, for Thee. Take my silver and my gold. Not a thing will I withhold. Give it all to Jesus. Are you serving the Lord tonight? If he came tonight, would he find you empty-handed? In light of what he's done for us, how much we ought to do for him. Our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed. I thank you so much for listening. And I understand this is a little bit of an unusual message. As tonight, we have set this service aside to remember the cross and remember our Savior's sacrifice on our behalf Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. That is the only verse in all of your King James Bible that starts with the word all and ends with the word all. And that puts every one of us in the same condition. You must be born again. I wonder tonight if you'd let me pray for you. By that I mean, would you be able tonight to raise your hand and say, Preacher, I do not know that if I died, I'd go to heaven. I have doubt about that. I don't know that I'm saved and I am concerned. I will not call you out or embarrass you. I give you my word, but I'd like to pray for you. Would you raise your hand and hold it up for just a moment? I'm not saved. I've never been saved. Is there anyone like that, young or old? I was nine years old when I got saved. Maybe you're here, you say, preacher, I do not think I'm saved. Is there one? Is there one? Is there anyone? Maybe tonight you're saved, but Christian, be honest, you're backslidden. You're not in, in that closeness that you once knew. You're not in that walking and talking with Jesus and your heart has grown cold and indifferent and God has spoken to your heart tonight. Oh, preacher, pray for me. That's me. I don't want to be cold. God bless you. I don't want to be distant. Pray for me. Yes, here and, and there and someone else. Pray for me. Remember me. I don't want to be cold and far from Jesus. God bless you and you and you. God bless someone else. Pray for me. I don't want to be distant. Anybody else, anyone else, something's caused your heart to get cold. Something. It's not worth it. Tonight, I invite you to come to this altar and say, Lord, I give you that thing in my life that's caused me to wander far from God. Lord, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. You get back to prayer. Get back to reading your Bible. Get back to holy living. Get back to having personal revival and fellowship with God and giving out gospel tracts and being a witness and faithful, faithful, faithful. Maybe tonight is a time of signing back up. Let's stand together. Father, we want to thank you and thank you and thank you and thank you for Calvary. Thank you for Gethsemane. Thank you for Gabbatha. Thank you for Golgotha. Oh, how we praise you for the sacrifice 
on our behalf. Our heads are bowed and the pianist beginning to play. Let's start coming, church. Come, come. Come to this altar tonight. Come on, don't wait. The Lord gave so much. Let's at least give back to the Lord a chance to draw us close. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Don't wait. Don't delay. Tarry no longer. Say, Lord Jesus, whatever it costs, I want to have a walking, talking fellowship with you. I don't want to have bitterness in my heart. Some of you need to get rid of some bitterness. See, Calvary has a way of bleaching bitterness out of our hearts. You have no place of unforgiveness. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Somebody hurts you. Somebody troubled the happiness of your world. Get that peace back tonight. Release that to the Lord. God bless you. Stay as long as you need. No rush. We're absolutely on time. Jesus paid it all. Thank God. I was preaching in this church years and years ago. Uh, in the Valentine's banquet. And I'll never forget it. A woman said to me after the service with tears in her eyes. She said, you said in that message tonight that God forgives every sin. And that He's willing to forgive every sin. I said, Madam, I meant every word of it. And she said to me, would He even forgive? And she told me her sin. And I said, Jesus died for all your sins. Hot tears were streaming down her face. And she said, I wish I could believe it. And I took her to John 19.30 where it says, it is finished. It is finished. Father, we thank you for the great grace of God. That wonderful miracle of salvation. We thank you that it was made so that all could believe. We thank you that it was offered so that all could be forgiven. And that whosoever will may come. Oh God, continue to work in our hearts as we come to Easter. Lay upon us some poor soul that needs Christ. May we be ambassadors of truth and help others along the way. In the name of Jesus, amen. Before I leave the pulpit, I want...